here willing and and always um, happy with a beautiful smile ready to lead us in worship so today this beautiful Sunday I want to speak to you on the subject of keeping the dream alive God's dream the dream that Jesus has for the earth the dream that Jesus has for this community the dream that Jesus has for us the dream that Jesus has for me and I'm going to be taking you to the book of Genesis chapter 37 uh, we're going to read a little bit about the story um, about Joseph and how uh, Jacob and Esau chapter 36 of Genesis is about the descendants of Esau and how God blessed two brothers who who were sons to Isaac, and then Isaac was a son to Abraham. So uh, God had a plan for the sons, for the children of Esau, but as you read in the scripture, you will realize that God gave a lot of chances to that generation on on behalf, I mean, on the side of Esau, and they never repented. They never wanted to come back to God. So as you read in the scripture, in the book of Genesis, you will notice that uh, eventually, that family disappeared, and only the family of Jacob was the one that lasted up to this day. Now is the country of Israel. But um, I want to share a little story with you today before we start, because we all have, we all, we are all a part of this dream, this big dream. Back in the '80s, there was an evangelist. Uh, his name was uh, George Rasky. I don't know if you ever heard about him, but he was an evangelist that would go to different countries in the world and do crusades. And if you were an evangelist back in those days, what you would do is you would get invited to a country, and then the local churches, you know, would organize. They would start evangelizing in the community, inviting people, so that this evangelist who would go for like a whole week or maybe more, would preach every single day of the week, and people would get saved. So churches and pastors, you know, they would come all over the place. And when I started Bible school at the age of 17, there's a picture of of a lady missionary um, in El, in El Salvador, in San Salvador, of of this lady missionary who, uh, you know, she she died doing missions in Central America. And um, I heard the story of George Rasky when he went and did a crusade in El Salvador. Now, if you were an evangelist back in the day, you would be very excited when a lot of people would come. Hundreds or maybe thousands of people, you know, would come. And in this specific crusade, when he started on a Sunday, and remember, they would start, you know, the services like at 5 p.m. and choirs and worship teams until the preaching came and you'll probably see in videos you know from those uh, crusades that hundreds of people you know will come to the Lord but in this one crusade when George Rasky started to preach even though there were thousands of people in the crusade at, at the end of the first day of the crusade he did the altar call so people will come and receive Jesus as their personal savior so as he was, you know, inviting people and making a call and telling people God loves you and, and if you want to get saved, please come forward. There, were, uh, there was a praying team, you know, on the side praying. 
And then after calling and calling and calling, like nobody came to the front. And he kept calling people and calling people. And all of a sudden, this little um, American girl, you know, stood up um, in front of the multitude. And she started, you know, walking towards the altar. And she stood up, like right there in front of the evangelist. And she was about seven years old. So when the evangelist saw her, he didn't pay attention to her because it was just a, a little kid, right? So he started calling the people, and that night, nobody got saved. Uh, the next day came, and they did the same thing. Thousands of people, you know, show up to the crusade. And he started calling people again, whoever wanted to get saved, to please come forward. Nobody stood up. And then this little girl stands up again, and she comes to the front, she wants to do that prayer, but the evangelist, you know, doesn't pay attention to her. So this happened uh, the first Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. That little girl would stand up and come forward. And during that week, the testimony of this evangelist says that he started getting worried because, you know, thousands of people and nobody was getting saved. And he started praying and praying and praying, Lord, please save the people, touch their hearts, and there was just so much movement for nobody to get saved during that crusade. So Thursday came, uh, Friday came, Saturday came, and on the last day, the evangelist says that he was a little depressed because nobody, you know, was getting saved. And before the crusade, he was praying before the message, and he told God, God, this has never happened to me that I go into a crusade, thousands of people come, I preached the message and nobody got saved, only that little girl that keeps coming to the front and she's making me feel, you know, embarrassed because she's the only one who comes. And the evangelist says, uh, George, I brought you to this country only for that little girl. So pray for her. The evangelist prayed, <clears throat> I mean, preach. Nobody got saved. And when he did the altar call again for people to come forward, that little girl stood up came to the front, and he asked her if, he, if she wanted to accept Jesus. She said yes. She accepted Jesus. She was seven years old. And later on, she came back to the United States. She went to college, went back to El Salvador, and planted churches in El Salvador and Honduras. And she's very, very famous in Central America for the work that she did. So no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you are a part of this big dream that God has for the world. Genesis chapter 37 says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. <clears throat> this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bila and the sons of Silpha. His father's wives and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, which is Jacob also, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. 
while your sheaves gather around mine and bow down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers, listen. He said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him, rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I your, and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you again for this beautiful opportunity we have to be together. No matter who we are, Lord God, or where we come from, or what the background is in our lives, there is a plan in this big plan that you have for the world. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that we will understand that and we will continue to keep your dream alive, the dream, the dream of reaching out to the world. We thank you, Lord God, for this day, and I pray, Lord God, that we will be aware that this dream is moving. This dream is moving forward, and we're all a part of this dream. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so this story, it's very beautiful if you read it in the Bible, the story of Joseph. Uh, the story of his life starts with a revelation from God. The revelation is that God is going to use Joseph in the future to accomplish something big that Joseph still does not understand. Bible says that Joseph was about 17 years old when he started to receive these dreams and he began to tell his brothers about the dream that he was having. You know, I was trying to connect that scripture that I read today um, before with the life of Joseph because when this man came to Jesus and he asked Jesus if Jesus could heal him, Jesus healed this man, but Jesus told this man, okay, I'm healing you, but don't tell anyone, okay? Maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus told him because it wasn't time, you know, for Jesus to, to be crucified yet. And maybe Jesus was trying to, to maybe keep that miracle only for him so that his fame wouldn't be spread, you know, so much. So, and, and everything, you know, will change in the timeline that God had for his crucifixion. But this man went ahead and he did the opposite. You know, he went, he went to the temple and he started telling people about what Jesus had done. And then a couple of chapters after, you know, Jesus healed a couple of other men who were blind. And Jesus tells them the same. And they go ahead and tell everybody about what Jesus is doing. So sometimes certain things, you know, that God does, they're probably intended only for you. For you to know on, on, on your time. Those things, you know, will flourish. That dream will flourish. But sometimes, for the time being, maybe that dream is only for you. And it is exactly what is happening to Joseph. Joseph starts receiving this dream. And I can imagine, you know, a 17-year-old being uh, so excited about dream. You know how teenagers usually tell stories? Hey, guys, you know, I was... Uh, and he probably got his brothers, you know, a little jealous. Actually, the Bible says that they were jealous. And he probably started telling his brothers, hey, guys, I had this dream that, you know, I grew up. And you guys were going to 
bow down, you know, before me. And, and wow, that sounds so much fun, right? And the brothers, you know, were not very happy about that. But the dream that Joseph had was a revelation of a bigger plan that God wanted to do in his life. And it was connected with the plan to save other people. And then those other people for other generations were going to be saved as well. And later on, Jesus was going to come as a result of that people, which is the country of Israel. Everybody is a part of this dream. But when you receive that dream, or where Joseph received that dream, the first thing that came with the dream was the opposition of his dream. You will notice sometimes that, you know, when God speaks to you, when God wants to do something in your life, whether you tell people or you don't tell people, or if you're sharing with everybody what you want to do, the first thing that rises sometimes is the opposition of others because they don't like the dream that you have. That's exactly, you know, what happened with Joseph. He started telling people about the revelation that God had given to him. And his brothers were not excited. His brothers, you know, were very disappointed because how is it? Why are you so special that we're going to come before you and bow down before you? You're the youngest. You're just a teenager. You're just a little kid. You know nothing. What do you know about us? And you don't have experience in life. You can even, you know, shepherd the flock. You, you don't know what you're doing. You're crazy. So you will see in the story that they try to kill him and then... Uh, he, he was saved through one of his brothers. He was sold, you know, into Egypt. But even though the dream didn't start at the top with success, in the eyes of God, God's dream was moving forward. In the eyes of people, it might have seen that maybe God lied to Joseph. In the eyes of humans, it may seem that maybe God was not complying or fulfilling the promise that he had given to Joseph because Joseph started his dream on the pit, in the bottom of a pit. He was sold into slavery to the Egyptians, and that's how the big dream that God had for him started. Started not with success, started not with celebration. Started not with applause from people, it began with opposition, and actually it started on the opposite way with being sold into slavery. You will realize in your life that many times when God uh, wants to do something in your life, or when God is guiding you in his plan through something, you know in your mind, you know in your heart that God has spoken to you, that he will do something in your life. But then all of a sudden, your life seems to take a detour because something happened on the way. And sometimes it is very easy to misinterpret the plan that God has for you because you see the opposite of what God has promised to you happen to you. But one of the things that we see in the scripture is, as we continue reading, that the betrayal of his brothers, God was going to use it for good. Joseph being in the bottom of a pit or, or in a big hole was still a part of the plan of God. When he was sold into slavery to the Egyptians, God was still there as a part of the process. So Joseph, in each one of those circumstances, 
we don't, we don't read that much, you know, what was his thinking, but we can see some of the actions that he took. And he seemed to show us that in every difficult situation, Joseph tried to honor the Lord no matter what. God is doing something in each one of our lives. God is definitely taking you somewhere. God has given you gifts. Remember when we were studying the parable of the talents? You know, uh, a few months ago and in the life group, you know, we were talking about every one of us having something that we can multiply for the Lord. Each one of us has at least one talent, four talents, five talents. And the Bible says that when the, when the owner, when, when the master gave those talents, the first two immediately turned and they went ahead and multiplied what the master had given to them. So big dreams... Sometimes don't start with big celebrations. Sometimes big dreams and great accomplishments start on the left side of the equation. Starts, you know, with a lot of opposition. Starts with betrayal. Starts, you know, with people not believing in you. Starts with people selling you, you know, like, like, like Joseph was sold. But what I want you to know this morning is... That no matter where you are today, the dream of God keeps moving forward. The Bible says that one of the things, you know, that, that if you see in this family dynamics, you know, that is happening, uh, it's probably not a very good idea to have a favorite child. Uh, those of you who have brothers and sisters, I don't know if you have ever felt like that, um, I used to feel like that before, you know, when, when I was a little kid because my mom used to work in a bakery and uh, she every day used to bring like this huge plastic bag full of sweet bread. Uh, and when my little brother, I think he was, he was probably about two or three years old. And I remember that my mom, you know, would come inside the house and she would say, Caleb, Caleb, you know, this is all for you, Caleb. Eat it, eat it. And then my sister, I mean, we were hungry. I mean, we were, I mean, third world country, El Salvador, you're always hungry. You always want to eat. So I remember that as a little kid, I felt like, why is my mom just bringing bread for him every single day and not for us? But my mom, according to her, her explanation now, is that Caleb was not her favorite. Caleb was the little child, the youngest child. So she would try to, you know, give him a little bit more of affection. But in doing so, she was making us jealous. And it seems like that's what happened, you know, um, in verse uh, 2, uh, Jacob, Joseph's father, sends Jacob to see his brother, to check on his brothers, to see what's going on. Now, imagine... You have about 10 brothers who are maybe over 20 years old, and they're working, they're getting dirty, and, you know, the flock, and, and, and just doing a lot of, you know, the, the hard work, you know, of the day. And all of a sudden, you know, this 17-year-old, you know, probably good-looking and, 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 you know, with, with a nice rub, you know, shows up and says, hey, guys, what's up? You know, what's going on? I want to know what's happening because, you know, my dad sent me to see how you guys are doing. And then, you know, Joseph will go back and tell his brother, Dad, I want you to know that um, two of my brothers, you know, were not working really well the way they were supposed to. So anyways, so those dynamics, you know, affected the family. 
And the brothers, you know, started to get very jealous because they couldn't stand a 17-year-old uh, be checking on them and feeling like the father was, that was his father's favorite. So, but anyways, those dynamics in the family, because every family has problems, every family has challenges, but that jealousy, even though it was destructive to the family and led to Joseph being sold into slavery, God still used those dynamics to work it out into his plan so that Joseph eventually, years later, will become the second in Egypt and then will save his own brothers from dying of starvation because there was no food in the land. And this makes me believe that I don't know what the dynamics situation is in your family. You might have a beautiful family and everybody is united, everybody loves each other, and everybody is good. Or you might have a family that is not perfect. You might have a family that somebody, you know, is going that way while everybody, you know, is going this way. But every single dynamic, God is still using it to move his plan. But what God wants us to do is that no matter what the situation is, that we do not stop believing in the dream that God has for our lives. That we do not stop believing in the process, in the plan that God has for us. I know, I know, many of you may have heard that expression many, many times. You know, when we go through negative things, oh, God has a plan. Yeah, God has a plan. And we hear it all the time, you know, from people when we face a really, really difficult situation. God has a plan, God has a plan, God has a plan. But in reality, God does have a plan. And I know that sometimes, you know, we hear it so much that hearing it one more time, you know, we don't feel that encouraged. But at least you can go back to the scripture and you can see that when God starts doing something in your life, it is very typical that you will face opposition. Sometimes you will face opposition even from your own family, even from your own brothers. You know, it's very... It's very common in Hispanic families when one member, especially Mexican families, and Sadi is not going to let me, you know, lie today because, right, Sadi? We're Mexican, right? Um, you, there's, it's very typical in, in families when somebody gets saved, all the family, maybe not Sadi's family because they're really, really cool, but... In a lot of families, when somebody gets saved, all the family turn their back on the person who has gotten saved. And you will hear many testimonies of people saying, you know, I got saved, but now my family uh, is not talking to me because they perceive me as having adopted, you know, a different religion. It's very common, you know, for people to do that. But then I have even heard mothers uh, in certain families say, Oh, I prefer my son to continue, you know, in his habit of drinking instead of abandoning, you know, our church and joining another church. And there's just a lot of opposition. Sometimes people do not want to believe in your dream, in what God has placed in your heart. But one thing that you can believe today, this morning, is that God will use the family dynamics. That God will use the opposition God will use the disadvantages that you have to move his plan ahead. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, 
whether you are a very skillful person or you're not that skillful, God will use it. But what we need to do is to continue to believe in his dream no matter what. Do not let it die. I was hearing a, a show in the radio yesterday and somebody was saying that uh, when people are about to die in their last days and they still have you know, conscience and, and they know what's going on, the thing that they regret the most is not what they did while on earth. The thing that they regret the most is what they didn't do in life. God has a plan for you. 2019, I don't know how this year has been for you. For me, it has been crazy. Those of you who are, you know, a part of the life group, you know. Uh, my family um, is paying extortion money to a gang. There was a point this year, I don't really, I don't usually like to carry my cell phone. You know, I usually, you know, leave it in my car. But um, in my work, the first six months of this year, I used to have my cell phone right there and my computer right there. Because I just felt like at any moment, you know, I was going to receive negative families from my family. The last time that my sister called me, and I saw her phone call like at 11 a.m., that was last year, uh, and I was like, oh, she's calling me right now. She's not, so, I mean, you know, when people call you in unusual, in unusual times, you take their phone call because something, something's got to be wrong. She's calling me at this time. So I answered the phone, and at, when I answered the phone, five minutes before, a group of gangsters had left the home, stole everything from my sister's home, put guns in the heads of my nephews, two nephews. One was seven years old, the other was, was nine. And then she was hysterically crying and screaming. She couldn't call the police because they say that one of the gangsters was connected to a captain in the police. So she was asking me, what do I do? And this is me working, you know, about to have lunch. So I just go to my boss and I say, you know what, I got to step out for I don't know how, but or maybe I should just take the day. I went to the parking lot and, and I heard my sister just crying and crying and crying. And the only thing I told my sister is, you know what? I don't know why you guys are going through this, but I do know that the Bible says that greater is he who is in us than the one who is in the world. Maybe you don't have those type of dynamics, you know, in your family. Or maybe you have some worse dynamics in your family. But God used these dynamics in the life of Joseph to carry out the dream that years down the road, Millions of people were going to be saved because a young kid who was 17 years old did not quit. A young kid who was 17 years old did not give up. Even though he was betrayed by his brothers, betrayed by his family, then sold on to slavery. And then you know the story when he was living at Potiphar's house, he still believed. And then Joseph ended up going to jail. And even when he was in jail for doing nothing that was bad, but just a, a lie, you know, from a woman. Even in jail, Joseph kept believing in God and seeking the presence of God. Because the Bible says that the presence of God in Joseph was such that Joseph was able to interpret dreams. And his life, the first part of his life when he was 17, it was failure after failure after failure after failure. 
any human being could interpret that as, you know, God is failing you. God is not with you. God is not keeping his promise with you. But every failure moved Joseph up the ladder in the eyes of God. Then another failure came. He reacted the good way, moved up the ladder, you know, in the eyes of God. Until he got to jail and then from jail, you know the story. God put him in charge. He was the second in the country of Egypt. And at the end of the story in Genesis, we realized that the time came where all the dots got connected. And in that chapter in Genesis, when Joseph meets his brothers and he's not a grown-up man, he connects and he realizes looking back that every failure in his life was a part of the plan that God had for him. Failure not because he messed up. Failure in the eyes of humans. I don't know where you are today. We're in the last month of 2019. If things haven't work, been working out for you this year, I want you to be encouraged to keep believing in the process that God is taking you through. God is not taking you through a process so that you die in the desert. God is taking you through this process so that you fulfill his dream. And God's dream is that everybody gets saved and everybody comes to repentance. And I think God has a dream for Agape. I think God has a dream for this church as well. There's a group of you or all of you are so committed to keeping this church moving forward. And I think God is going to honor that. And while other people may say, you know what, this looks like a failure. This looks like the dynamics, you know, didn't work out or we made the wrong decisions. I don't think you have to worry about because this is not your church. This is his church. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today, Lord. Father, and I want to ask you for each person in this church today. You have a dream. You have a specific plan for each one of us. The plan is to restore our lives. That plan is to fulfill our full potential, Lord God, just like we understand it from the, the parable of the talents. Each one of us, Lord God, has a potential. But I pray, Lord God, for anyone who might be facing opposition just like Joseph did. And I pray today, Lord God, that they will understand that even opposition, even, Lord God, failures, those are a part of the plan, Lord God, that, that you use to help us move forward in this plan that you have for us. But, Lord God, just like this 17-year-old kid did not quit. He did not give up. He was probably immature. He was probably, Lord God, a spoiled little kid. 17 years old, didn't know that much about life, but he was already believing in your dream. I pray, Lord God, that today we as a church will continue to believe in this dream and keep this dream alive in this community. You want to reach out to people in Pasadena. Lord God, you want to reach out to those 30,000 foster kids who have not place to live in the county of Los Angeles. Lord, they say that if every church in the United States would adopt at least one kid, the adoption problems will be solved in this country. 
I pray, Lord God, that we will continue to keep this dream alive of spreading the gospel, Lord God, all over the place. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.